Thank you very much for joining me for this month's Farport story. I've really been enjoying doing these these stories that aren't necessary necessarily integral to the the major plot, but at the same time, I do want to start trying to make some changes with uh, with what we're doing with this. And so, one of the things that I am going to start trying to do is more script with the Farport stories, so that way they're they don't have as much of a tendency to run for extended periods of time. Um, I definitely just want to take a second to thank all of you guys out there that have been so fucking supportive. Like, you guys are the reason that it's fun and and rewarding to sit down and spend a couple of hours to try and type out ten pages of of some short story that has no reason to actually exist. And so, you know, I just wanted to take a second to, you know, call out some people by name and, and recognize the things that they're creating themselves. And, you know, just let you guys know that you should probably go and check it out. Um, first and foremost, I, I want to thank, uh, I want to thank Sean from the Eterna podcast for letting me bounce ideas off of him constantly. Jesus Christ. I am in that man's DMS more than, a thirsty, thirsty guy on Facebook. Um, <laughs> and I want to thank, uh, I want to thank Kim from Beholder's Eye. Uh, also Alex from Beholder's Eye. Like you guys have been super supportive of everything that I do. You guys do a great show yourselves. I mean, I'm, I want to say on episode like 30 or something like that. And so I still have quite a bit of catching up to do, but I mean, really, guys, like, it's a it's a really great show. I recommend, and they also recommend that you start at episode 15. Um, Don from Hexgrid Heroes and Pokemon Saichou, um, Jeepers Creepers. This guy, he, he plays D&D with us in our Discord. He's always the first one to compliment us on how great an episode was. His Starfinder show is one of my favorite things i'm super excited for him to start taking it over and showing us what he's got in that big beautiful brain of his i I, that's that's definitely if you're into anime too there's only a couple of episodes right now but pokemon saichou is a great show it's definitely worth checking out um anaset relieved which is not his real name, but that's okay. Uh, from Wheeler Woe, that's a Pathfinder podcast, um, but they're they're awesome. They've been going for a while now. They've got a ton of episodes, and the Blind Rat is... He does a fantastic job, just second to none. Maybe Matt Mercer. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank Cassie from Party Advantage. Um you have been so gracious with with shouting us out with with sharing ads and just all of all of the the things that you don't expect but but it's always so wonderful to have happened and have offered to you and so thank you so much to Cassie and Party Advantage um Dennis from MFDK9K I mean Jeepers Creepers, by far one of the longest running out of all of our friends. Um, they have 
there is so much stuff going on with with this with this podcast. I mean, like they're they're constantly getting into trouble. They <laughs> deal with dinosaurs. I mean, things are <laughs> things get wild really quick. And I definitely recommend that uh, that you check them out um, specifically on Spotify. Um, that's that's uh, Mystery Fantasy Dungeon Nine Thousand. Robin, Deoxia, The Pud Pod, Wraith Lady. I thank you. Thank you so much for for just hanging out with us and and being awesome and supportive and sharing your jokes and weird kinky things that you post. <laughs> No, I, I really uh, I really appreciate you a lot and and be on the lookout for podcast for the untimely dead. It's it's gonna be dropping sometime soon if I can if I can have any say on it. Um, Cameron from Coventry. I've just re- I've just met Cameron recently, but I like Cam a lot. We have a similar sense of, sense of humor. So if you like our show at all, go check out Coventry. They are. I don't want to say they're similar because obviously Cam does things is doing something completely different from what we're doing. You know, it's not like it's a Western or anything like that, but just in the way that their jokes come out, the way that they're goofing around and having a lot of fun with each other is, is fucking fantastic. Um, let me think. I want to thank Tracy. Um, you know who you are, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dox you on here. Cause you know, it's, it's, I understand that you're a little bit shy about the internets and stuff like that. So thank you, Tracy. I appreciate you. If I missed anybody, like if, uh, you know, there's somebody that we regularly talk. Oh, Jeff. Duh. Jeff, 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 Jeff. Shattered Worlds RPG. He is doing some amazing stuff. He just got into a Dark Tower podcast like it's themed around the Stephen King series which is second to none I mean when when you're talking about fantasy and and just living worlds in general and boy howdy the first episode is hilarious it's got excitement it's got action adventure I mean it's it's really enjoyable Shattered World is great too you should check that out um well anyway again if I forgot anybody please reach out to me and I will make sure that I personally send you, um, send you a chocolate mold of my lips and, and, and you can, you can have that and it'll be a nice little, nice little, a nice little smooch in your mailbox. Love you all. And, uh, let's get into this Farport story.
The long braid cascading down Zuri Bloodmoon's back was rustling gently in the breeze as she looked down at the sniveling man weeping under her boot. She bent down at the knees and into a squat to place her brown leather hat back upon her head. The hat forced out her large pointed elven ears to the side and it made her elven lineage quite obvious. Her slender face was creasing to show her great age, but recently her raven-colored hair began to show weakness. Shocks of white streaked through her hair, and the creases grew deeper. She did not look the six hundred years that she had lived, but things were catching up to her quicker than she had expected. Her mother hadn't any grays well into her eight hundreds, but Zuri still felt spry in her bones and in her mind. Snapping her eyes back to the man, she tossed her olive-green wool poncho from off of her shoulder to hang back in place, hiding her pistol and sawn-off scattergun. She pressed her boot more firmly onto the weeping man. Are you absolutely sure you don't know where Jomo went? I don't know no Joe Moore, the man screamed defiantly, his mustache a repository for the spittle flying from his lips. The crushed bowler hat atop his head, mixed with his dirty mud and blood-covered face, made the scene quite comical to Zuri. That red sash about your waist would tell a different story, human. I have killed many of your kind in unspeakable ways. This will be the last time I ask you. Where? is Joe Moore. She spat, venom dripping from every word, her soft features screwed up in a terrible rage, teeth bared as the words hissed out. I ain't got no... The man's head became a mess of pulpy goo as Zuri pulled the trigger on her scattergun. Blood spurted from his head in the telltale rhythm of a heartbeat. Thump, squirt, thump, squirt. Once again, Zuri bent at the knees and grabbed the sash from about the corpse's waist and brought it to her face. As she cleared the blood from her comely face, she scanned the camp with her peripherals. There was a sashed man crawling away near the tents to her east. The bloody stumps where his legs used to be, leaving a trail like a garden snail. She laughed and noticed a few more of the bodies on the ground were writhing in pain. Her shots had flown true, and only a few were killed in her initial assault. Zuri stood up and wiped the blood from her hands as she threw the sash back onto the corpse. Joe Moore! She screamed at seemingly no one and everyone at the same time. In a flash, her terrible gleaming sword was out of its sheath, the magical steel ringing out, howling for blood. Fingers digging into the turf, the new amputee was wrestling his body further from the camp, squeals of terror erupting involuntarily as she began to slowly stalk him, mocking his movements and laughing maniacally as his arms began to flail in terror. She kept this up for minutes before halting his progress by driving this sword through his outstretched hand. His panicked reaction to pull away, doing far more damage than just the stab wound could have his eyes wide with terror and his, and his mouth agape but unable to produce noise as he continued to flail impotently. 
Zuri laughed louder as she raised her sword and fainted another jab with her sword multiple times, drinking in his fear every time he would flinch. Where is your boss? I really don't want to tie all of you to the pines covered in molasses waiting for the bugs. I do not want to do that. But I will do what is necessary to recover what belongs to my employer. I know you were all just in two rivers, and there was a robbery. And I know you went north from there. You robbed another saloon in Rib Ridgely, and took some things from some very important people. People important enough to hire someone like me to rectify the situation. That is what I do. I rectify problems. When you were suckling from your mother's teat and she warned you that bad little boys would get their comeuppance, do you recall these warnings? I am that comeuppance. Seeing an opportunity, the amputee began to flail his good hand and ruined one to try and get away. He knew that this would be futile, but continued until his world went black, and the sword made a screeching sound as the elf pulled it as the elf pulled it back from out of his skull. A rustle near the western tents caused her to spin around to face it, her offhand pulling a pistol from its holster under her woolen poncho. Sword in one hand and pistol in the other, she scanned the scene angrily, her fingers turning white, clenching her weapons. She clicked her heels together, and white energy spiderwebbed its way up her body. Time began to flow more slowly to the elven woman, and as the black cowboy hat began to rise over the wagon near the tent, she heard a commotion, and her body was already in motion. The bearded face under the cowboy hat looked confused by the disappearance of his target as his scattergun loosed a pattern of BBs. The now impossibly fast elven blur was already closing from the left, weapons clenched in her fists and teeth gnashing. Turning his head to the left, the blur seemed to register, and he started to turn the firearm towards it, a thumb reaching up to pull back the second hammer on this double-barreled nightmare, pulled it down with a click his fingers squeezing with determination upon the trigger, eyes wide, red, and fighting back tears of pain. Joe Moore's henchman let more lead fly at the area where Zuri was. Cursing, he snapped the breech open and started to reach for the pouch hanging on his right side. It was bulging with red-cased shells, but adrenaline made his fingers struggle to grasp any of them. Four shells tumbled out of the pouch as he frantically dug, but finally managed to grasp on one of them. He lifted it to place into the breach, but was greeted with a geyser of blood instead. Looking down, he saw his arm laying near his feet, shorn off at the elbow, still clutching the shell. Another sharp sound came as something cut through the wind, and then his other arm holding the scattergun, lifeblood showering the mud at his feet, covering his now severed limbs. The blur stood still just long enough for her blood-covered smile to register before everything went black. Do you all really want to make me search your corpses for missives? Go and meet your god with dignity. Own up to your mistakes and be forgiven in your afterlife. Again, the bounty hunter bent casually at the knees to tear off another red sash. Again, she took pause to wipe the fruits of her labor from her visage. Still, 
her remarks were only met with more groans and death rattles. Ziri shook her head and rubbed at her temples, locks of stark white hair coiling under the circular motion. Her neat braid was becoming frayed from the action, and many strays were now wisping about her face and neck. Holstering her pistol, she sauntered to the center of camp, stopping at a wriggling mass of limbs and gore. At least one of them was still alive, but she was starting to question the prudence of individually going to each of these men. Her teeth were clenching together as she ground them into each other to relieve frustration. And with a scream, she began to hack at the writhing mass. Not the smooth, fluid stroke she had displayed before, but instead, two-handed overhead chops. Chunks of meat and ichor splashed and danced about as she continued to beat at the corpses. The once recognizable bodies turning into a cruel cubist mural upon the ground. Snarling, she took sharp breaths to try and calm herself, eventually forcing them to become deep and deliberate. The insatiable Zuri Blood Moon removed the wide leather gloves from the hands of a chalk-white mustached man, his vacant eyes staring up at the sky, the wrinkles around them the most relaxed they had ever been. It appeared as if his face wanted to succumb to gravity and slip right off, bushy sideburns drooping about his ears, and stains from blood oozing from the corners of his mouth as he gave no protest. She slipped the gloves on carefully and began to dig for pockets and satchels. She knew this was more time-consuming, but she also knew that correspondence usually doesn't lie. The coughing, wheezing, and groaning did not stop as she searched, but instead seemed to grow more intense as air escaped from corpses shifting atop each other. She tossed papers and coins into the same pile behind her, and the rest was flung towards the eastern tents. She spent maybe ten minutes on the mass before moving on to the rest of the bodies. The camp was simple and quickly set up. The tents had only two stability lines off of each pole holding it up. They were on the larger side, ten feet long and half as much wide, and the four of them were set up in a semicircle around a tripod over the ashes of last night's fire. Blood Moon looked up and determined it was almost noon. She had already spent the entirety of yesterday scouting these ne'er-do-wells and couldn't afford to fall further behind her quarry. No, she had to finish these men and start off as soon as possible. Raising her arms above her head, she arched her back, letting out a loud yawn while she stretched. Staying up all night to get a head count was exhausting, but she had no time to rest now. Pulling her pistol from, her, from its holster, she set forth on the grim task of patting down and then shooting each lump of flesh in this camp. Kneel down, pat pockets, search satchels, bullet to brain. Kneel down, pat pockets, search satchel, bullet to brain. Kneel down, pat pockets, search satchel, bullet to brain. The huntress sat down near her piles of paper and silver slugs and pulled a shining red apple from beneath her drab olive poncho and took a large bite, each bite echoing loudly in her head as she crunched through it. Her demeanor was almost nonchalant as she snacked, and she made no move to start rifling through the papers. 
The sun high above her head was lasering through the pine needles, warming her face. Upon finishing her apple, she tossed the core overhand into the woods and began to sleuth through the paper, many of which were stolen bonds and deeds. Zuri tossed these worthless items into the fire before leaning back on her elbows. After a few moments, she blew all of the air from her lungs and inhaled slowly again. One pensive second before continuing her search. A small envelope that had no writing on the outside got her attention immediately. Her heart began to soar as she pulled a singular piece of parchment from it. The ink had begun to run a bit, and there were blood stains obscuring some of the words, but plain as day, she could read the signature at the bottom. Joseph Moore. Eddie, I need you to keep riding north for at least a month. The consortium will give chase, so keep your camps roughshod and quick. Keep your horses ready. I'm going to figure out where we can lay low. Lois will be at the crossing house for one week in a month and a half. Rendezvous with her, and we can leave this forsaken desert. Joseph Moore. It had been at least fifty years since Zuri Bloodmoon had stepped foot in Fillmore's Crossing, but she knew that if they were ordered to ride north, Joe went another direction. In the valley pass out to the Deadlands, going east or west was difficult and impossible on horseback. No, she knew Joe had went south. The sound of a branch breaking echoed through the trees, and the woman froze in place. An animal, perhaps? No. This much shooting would have scared away most of the animals. There is only one type of animal that goes towards shooting. A scruffy-looking young man appeared from between some pines after a few moments. He was wearing a large straw hat, the shade of which fell upon a large sort of sloping forehead. His eyes looked like beads sunk into the large, bony protrusions that were his eyebrows and nose bridge. A patchy smattering of facial hair sat upon his chin, upper lip, and sideburn area. And a large chunk of chewing tobacco forced his lower lip to finish this Neanderthal look, a bit of brown spittle forming in either corner of his mouth. He was bare-chested under his overalls and carried a, we and carried a weathered lever-action rifle in his hands. His young face of no more than seventeen went white as he surveyed the scene. He noticed the elf and raised his rifle slightly. <sighs> I heard shots! Zuri threw her arms in the air and replied, Me too. My, my, my caravan is not far in those mountains to the west. She pointed with her whole hand to try and drive home the point, and the teenager nodded and seemed to relax a bit. She kept her arms in the air and went on. I was making lunch for the kids when I heard multiple shots. I rushed down here as fast as I could to see what was going on. I'm Olga. Olga Rainwater. Can you give me a hand? I think one of these boys is still alive. The boy lowered his rifle back to the ground, but he still noticed the dark stains upon her olive poncho. Why is you all bloody? He barked, doing his best to sound intimidating but his hands were trembling on his rifle. I'm trying to help them, she screamed back. 
You think I did this by myself? I know you humans tell stories about us, but even the most ridiculous fabrication wouldn't accomplish this, she said, feigning offense. The teen let the gun drop from his one hand to rest at his side, in his dominant one pointed harmlessly at the ground. His face was flushed with blood as a sheepish feeling rushed towards his brain and features. No, you right. I, I, I weren't raised to accuse folk of stuff. They ain't, they ain't had no way or reason to do. I, I'm, I'm real sorry, miss. Real damn sorry. He tipped his hat and began to walk towards her. There was a bit more confidence in his step as he approached this time. As the elven woman crouched to further assess one of the bodies, a glint of gold shone from under her poncho, draping across her torso. You, you some kind of law or something? Zuri Bloodmoon panicked for a split second before she turned and made a comforting face. Have you ever heard of the Imperium? She asked as she put her arms wide in a non-threatening manner. He spat a large brown puddle upon the ground and replied, My pa says they want to come out here and take half our money for doing nothing. That, that we just a bunch of backward hillbillies playing at survival out here to them folk. But I ain't never met none. So, you know, I I, I ain't got much of an opinion on it, I guess. Um, I, I'm record, but most folk call me wreck. His eyes squinting as some sunlight shone upon his face. I'm going to grab my badge, okay? The elf asked reticently. Rec nodded expectantly. Now, we don't want people to know there's FIA out here, as it will make people like your father rather jumpy. You promise to keep it a secret? Record's head bounced happily in affirmation. Look, we can't have people out here committing atrocities unchecked. It's not your fault. But people out here don't want to take responsibility for protecting each other. The, those folks who run out of ground to rob or, or get forced out by stronger criminals, they end up absconding to the Imperium. And so I try to catch them before that can happen. She looked deep into his eyes, searching for a tell. So use a, a secret sheriff out here trying to stop whoever did this? Yes. Zuri was relieved and relaxed her shoulders for a moment, and then got a bit bold. Is anyone else coming? The huntress queried, doing a masterful job of not seeming suspicious during the small probe. I was in my tree stand waiting on deers, my house is a good three miles that way, his arm pointed south as he continued. I, I really ought to, <laughs> I really ought to be getting back to uh, trying to get some food to show for the cartridge I shot already. Pa always says that we got to make every one of them count. Cartridges is expensive and, well, turnips is cheap when we sell them. Zuri nodded solemnly in agreement. Well, you don't make your father cross because of something I could easily handle by myself, Okay. She let out a slow breath and made an exasperated face. I don't think any of them are well enough to travel. I... I, well, um... I just... Miss, if, if you gots to put them down, I, I understand. Uh, 
Better a bullet than all that blood spilling. I, I, I still have a lot of searching left to do, but it was a pleasure meeting you, Wreck, she said as she mustered up a reassuring smile. She could feel the creases in her face forcing themselves into ripples on her cheek. Pleasure's all mine, Olga. I, I, I hope I don't come across as offensive like, uh, offensive like, but may the light of Ernie protect you and shine your way. Zuri cringed visibly and involuntarily. I, I'm, I'm sorry, miss. I weren't trying to upset you. I, that's a real nice thing to say to folk where I come from. The grimace on his face was highlighted even more by the bright red color that had come back to his face. His mouth opened a few more times as though to explain further, but no more noise escaped his lips. No, <laughs> it's fine. I get it all the time. Forcing a chuckle, Zuri scanned the area with her peripherals continuously. Wreck stared sheepishly at the elf for a few moments in silence, when a mass of flesh began to rise from the ground. The mass staggered back and forth, rubbing his eyes, dried blood coating the white cotton button-down shirt. A hole in his shoulder bubbled small amounts of blood out, but he seemed otherwise unharmed. Zuri's eyes went wide as she rested her offhand on her six-shooter under the poncho. She eyed this staggering figure as he began to look around frantic, his long beard whipping back and forth as one bloody matted mess. As he looked up, the whites of his eyes seemed to take up the majority of his face as he locked eyes with Zuri. Please don't kill me, too. He sobbed, dropping to his knees, wringing his hands together as though he was praying. Rex stood mouth agape, his eyes darting back and forth between Zuri and the staggering gentleman. Everything seemed to slow down for the young woodsman as all the pieces fell into place. Rex tried to will his muscles to retreat, but they were frozen like a deer caught unawares. The Huntress had already clicked her heels together as this was happening, and her sword was unsheathed. A sharp, stinging pain shot up the teen's neck. A bug, or something he thought as the pain receded. Blink. Wreck could still see the staggering figure's chest explode as a sword burst through the front of it. Blink. The grass obscured his left eye, and he couldn't figure out the why the orientation of his world had changed so suddenly. Blink. He was shorter now, and somehow unable to breathe. The blur behind the slumped mass that was once staggering slowed, coalescing into the woman's lithe form. Blink. Everything in Rex's being wanted to scream, why, at her, but his mouth would not open, and he could find no breath with which to make noise. Blink. The Huntress walked casually over to another corpse and bent down to retrieve something. And Wreck wondered what it was. And that was the last thing Wreck wondered as his entire world went black. Mm -hmm.